with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold, here with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch, is in the house. I'm in the Alan. house. I like the house. House was cool. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing really well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Well, is there any other way? Sand? Uh, always playing in the sand, my friend. It's my backyard, brother. I've you have got like one of those big plastic shovels and a plastic <laughs> bucket you carry with you? Hey, listen, I've got two little boys. Of course I do. Nice. That's a silly question. Actually, your and I wife my... would say she has three little boys, but that's just a discussion <laughs> for different days. Well, isn't that the truth? There's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that, believe me. Uh, but, you know, boys are fun. Obviously, I have a little girl. I have three boys and, and one, one girl, so um, I get to balance it out a little bit. And um, she is smarter than all of us, so put together. But that Sweet. being said, <laughs> um, what's going on in your neck of the woods, my friend? Hey, I had, uh, well, it's sunshine in, which is really out of the norm for this time of the year. But uh, on a little personal note, I had a little physical therapy this morning, and I hurt more than when I went in. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, it is. Something was done, and, and that's a good thing. And we're going to go from there. So I'm not, have, I'm not on any pain meds yet. Maybe it'll be later today. But uh, feeling real great. Feeling excited about our guest, man. He's just sitting there chewing at the bit. I'm looking at his picture here. And a uh, hey, cool guy. Everybody's going to just love this guy. He's got, uh, uh, got a lot going on. Well, definitely. The cool factor is right up there. You know, if there's a one out of 10, this guy's a, you know, 15. I think he's cool. I think everybody in the audience is going to think he's cool. He's got some really great things happening and he's, you know, definitely helping uh, people. Um, and you'll find that, you know, when we're chatting with him. But uh, let's, uh, let's, you know, get at it, my friend. Let's uh, introduce our guest. I love it. Uh, this guy is... Uh, couple years younger than I am. He's like 14 years younger than I am. It's like everybody that we interview is younger than I am. I guess that that's a good thing. I guess I'm associated with the younger crowd, so I feel real privileged to have that. But uh, this guy has been uh, worked with lots of major well-known uh, companies all over the world. Uh, he's invested in numerous startups. I mean, he sits on the board of advisors and leading think tanks, you know, across the United States. And He's got a family. Uh, he's he's really integrated in in what he does. He's uh, generated, I think he was saying something like five hundred plus million dollars in revenue. You know, collectively over the past you know ten twelve years, and it's nice to to continue to have some people on the uh, on our on our cast that have had that kind of that kind of uh, results. And I know that you and I both can relate to that. And it's nice. It's a different place to be. Not everybody gets to that point, although I think everybody aspires to that. Um, a lot of things happen on that journey, 
and uh, we're going to hear about some of those things today. So uh, without further ado, we have Colby Colabuster, better known to people on the runway as Colby K. Colby, welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast show. Yo, gentlemen, thank you for having me. Colby's in the house. Colby's well, in the house. Yeah, we thank, yes, that was quite we the thank, intro. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> we thank you for uh, taking some time out because, you know, we know that you've got something big, big going on. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy to find uh, an hour of time. But we do appreciate it because I know our audience is going to appreciate uh, the insight, the golden nuggets that come out of this show. And, you know, it's a reminder for our audience, get your journals out, get your pens out. Because uh, I am sure of it, you're going to get some great insight on what it takes to go out there and do what Colby has been doing. But most importantly, you know, that journey along the way. Colby, let's get out of my friend. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you come from. What, you know, what was this? I know you're a sales guy and, you know, I share that with you. And, you know, generating that kind of money out there, obviously, you're a good one. You provide a lot of value. Uh, but tell us that journey that, you know, where you were, where you are, and, you know, better yet, where you're going. Man, that's a really loaded question to start the interview <laughs> with. So let's, um, <laughs> Always, I, my I friend. get asked this, fellas, I get asked this a lot, and I always try to give a little bit of a different variation because people who follow me have probably heard the same story so many times. Sure. One, I guess it's cons consistency, but two, it's, um, it's important to, I guess, understand the beginning. As we get into this, normally I walk. I'm not like sitting, especially when I'm in a creative mode. I don't sit in an office chair. So I just left my office and I'm walking. So you'll hear some background noise. I guess it's just real life as I'm going through okay. this journey with you. We love that. Where did we start? Where did we start? Where... For me, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. I am a son of my mother was an entrepreneur. Uh, Dad was a physical laborer. He worked for the Water and Power Company. Um, he started his own business um, in the beauty industry. He started a barber shop that him and my mom worked in for 20 years, and then my mom got into logistics and started a freight forwarding company. The thing that I got from all of that was, you know, both my parents worked really hard. Um, I didn't really understand. I didn't understand it, I guess. You know, I wasn't the kid at seven years old who started a popsicle stand and sold, you know, sold cards to people and hustled at seven. So I, I helped my parents. We were, you know, as kids, we were kind of integrated into what they were doing. Fast forward that story. I moved around a lot. Parents split. Um, I moved across the U.S. from Southern California to New York City to Hawaii to Phoenix and um, had a chance to go back to Salt Lake City for the Olympics and got into the music business. And it, within that was really the first time I'd started a business for myself, earning income based on opportunity. So there were a series of kind of bars and grills and a lot of music venues in the city. I had great relationships with. They had slow nights. We took over those venues starting with the Olympics. The Olympics left, and I kept those relationships, and I started a marketing kind of promotions company where I would DJ and book talent, and I had two friends that were in graphic design. They would do the flyers, and it was very grassroots. So that was 2002. And I thought that was it for me, fellas. I was like, okay, cool. Music business is it. Became a single father young and got full custody of my daughter when she was one. And the music business and being a parent aren't necessarily conducive, especially when you're young and alone. So I had to make a, a decision. You know, what am I going to do? Am I going to be a rock star or a father? And, you know, as fast as that sentence came out, the decision was made. 
packed up everything, relinquished kind of what I was doing and came to Phoenix. Uh, my father lived here at the time. I put together 17 different kinds of resumes, everything from, uh, geez, bartending, busing tables, I mean, anything, anything I had to sell at to get work, and I uh, hit the streets. That landed me in a, in a warehouse working for a technology company building computers. So I want you to think back to the Dell days, the early Dell days. So I think 2004, 2003 Dell, when the build your own PC was really kind of starting to gain stride. And I was building computers, man, for businesses in a garage. Little big warehouse. That led me to my first corporate job. And in that, uh, I got a job working for my number one customer. I went in, and if, you're, if your audience is, has seen the movie Broiler Room, oh, yeah. it, was very, it was very Broiler Room-esque. So I walk into corporate America, the door is open. First off, when I pull into the parking lot, guys, I'm driving. What the hell was I driving then? I was driving, I don't know what it was. I can't remember the car I had when I first got here, believe it or not. I, it, it was a jalopy for sure. So I pulled into the parking lot, and there were all these, like, you know, I was pulling, like it was a Honda. It was a Honda. It's a beat-up Honda, like a Honda Accord or something. And I pulled into the parking lot, and keep in mind, I mean, this is a Fortune 500 company. I roll in. And in the parking lot are these beautiful sports cars. And I'm like, okay, what am I in for? Because where we did training was not the same building that everybody worked in, right? So I finished training, and I go over to the main office to get the tour, and I'm like, okay, doors open up, and it was, you know, it was, it was a scene out of a movie, no doubt. There's 2,000 people on the phone selling technology to businesses in these, like, little pods that they call stadiums. The energy was through the roof. They gave a car away. Microsoft was giving a car away my first day. I remember it clear as day. And I thought, what in the hell did I get myself into? Like, this is it. And then I saw the executive in the corner office driving a fancy sports car. And I thought, for me, I mean, guys, I came from a very humble background. Got into a lot of trouble and made a lot of bad decisions as a kid. And forever I was told I'd never be anything. And I'd end up dead and in jail. And believe me, I tried both. And it just neither was a really good an outcome for me that I wanted to continue to substantiate. So I saw the guy in the office, the corner office with all the money, and I thought, that's success. Money is success. Long story short, my goal was to become an executive at a Fortune 500 company as fast as I could to provide as much value and learn and grow. I did that at two different companies here in Phoenix. Um, two, one's a Fortune 100, another one's a Fortune 5. Um, managed, God, built sales teams from nothing. I've hired over 2,500 people, had a budget of about 500 million for almost half my career. Spent a million dollars a month in marketing and supported the largest names in technology. Um, companies, you know, their household names. And uh, let me pause there because I, I think there's going to be an interaction that we go through and there's going to be part of this discussion that's going to open up what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of where that starts. Where I'm, I'm going to pivot, but where I pivot is a point we want to come back to um, some point in questioning. Is, I just, uh, Colby, I just want to interject and but, say you're, 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 you're kind of a slacker. <laughs> yeah, I don't do much, man. I, no, you don't. You don't got much going. I've always. <laughs> well, I mean, told you what I, I even told you what I'm doing now. But yeah, motivation <laughs> something's been really hard for me to do to get right. I'm pretty lazy. It's hard to you know. I just lay around. The um, I had this awakening, fellas, uh, five years ago, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. I, I lost a bunch of weight. I was walking around at like 265. I'm not a big dude. I'm 5'10". Uh, my friend should be right around 190. 
and I dropped a bunch of weight, and I became a student of how your body produces the hormones it does, and I dove into that, and I had this awakening where, like, I was sitting at my desk, and it was like, you know, people will relate this to maybe finding Jesus and having this spiritual awakening, and for me, let me paint the picture this way. Like, if you go to bed thinking there was something more that you should have done, or you wake up with a feeling of regret knowing you're supposed to be doing something other than what it is you're doing, mm-hmm. that feeling is, is entrepreneurship. That feeling is trying to understand what my potential is. That nagging feeling is, listen, the shit you're doing is not what the shit you're supposed to be doing. We're not born to be sitting behind a desk 50 hours a week, sitting in a two-hour commute, working for somebody else. Like, that is not why we're on this planet. Like, I believe it with every ounce of me. So I had this awakening. That led me to creating a company, um, kind of two companies at the same time. Created a software company. I left corporate America. If you want me to dive, this is a, a funny story. I mean, we could dive into this story. But I left corporate America. I spent six months transitioning out because I knew as, a, as an executive I'd be a target as soon as I left. So I did everything I could to document everything I was doing. And I built a software business. I had this group of customers and kept saying, I have a problem here. I have a need here. And I kept going back to my company and I kept going back to my supplier saying, our customers have a huge problem here. We've got to fix this. And for two years I was told, we're not a software company and we're not going to fix it. The uh, manufacturer, Microsoft will fix it. I was like, okay. Well, after two years of that, dude, I finally got sick of hearing the same answer every time I asked my customers what they were having challenges with. So I learned how to code at night and um, on the weekends. And was, I, got, I got to be smart. I'm not a, an engineer by trade, man, and I'm not really that smart. So I figured out how to bare basics, how to do what I needed to do to prove a concept. And then I hired some guys that do it full time. I'm an engineer on TV, not in real life. So I hired some, I hired some engineers. You know, we went. I mean, we went to go figure this out. And I transitioned out, um, built a really kick-ass product, uh, sold about $250,000 in my beta release to give people the early adoption phase to come in as we were going, and I was off to the races. Raised $3 million in funding uh, from the founder of the company I was working at. I don't want to expose any of that now because he's also a partner in my, my current company. But uh, if you go to LinkedIn, you can find out and put the pieces together when you look at where I've worked. And I was off to the races. I got sued uh, the day I was moving into my new office. So l- let me paint this picture for your listeners. There wasn't a plan B. Like, this, this was it. I cashed out all the chips. Um, I had six full-time employees that were working for me that I was paying out of my savings. Um, I drained my kids' college savings, both of them. And we had gone all in. And the money I had raised was paying for the previous two weeks' worth of development. So when that money cleared, I was going to pay to move forward for work that had already been done. And I'm in my garage. It's my daughter's 14th birthday. Garage door goes open. All my kids are in the car. At this point, there was just the three. I've got four now, but there were three of them. Uh, my son's brand new. My daughter's three. And my, my daughter's just turning 14. So the whole family's in the car. The garage goes up, and I guess I just wasn't paying attention. I turned around, and a guy with a low-brimmed hat, dark sunglasses, and a clipboard had me pinned against my car. And I remember looking, and it's like, this is one of those things. Man, I live, in, I live in Arizona, and I do carry. I don't carry every day, but it's one of those things where everything I own from a real value perspective was in that car. My wife and family are in this car, and I'm trapped against the car. I'm like, what, what's going on? 
take a deep breath, and I'm like, okay. I'm looking around. There's something I can grab me. It's just like, I, I don't know what's about to happen. Guy goes, are you Colby Colobus? I said, yes, sir. Hands me the, hands me paperwork and walks out of my garage like fast because I think he knew it was uncomfortable for both of us. He left, and I opened, the, opened up the package in the car. I had been served. And that feeling of everything I'd done and everything I had worked for, you know, I spent 15 years as a kid who had nothing. And had finally gotten to that corner office and sacrificed all of that, a very comfortable income, on something I believed in so much that I was able, I, wanted, I drained my accounts to go build it. And uh, needless to say, that process went through. And if you want to know more about it, I'd be happy to kind of go through it in more detail, I guess. But that happens. And I've got all these developers. Obviously, when you get sued, your funding stops. And uh, I had this moment of clarity where um, I don't give up ever. Um, even when I should, I don't. And I was in a deposition. I remember them saying, I asked, I said, are we recording? I said, yep. And uh, earmuffs to your sensitive listeners because the next word is going to be a curse word. <laughs> I said, go fuck yourself. They said, what? I said, yeah, go fuck yourself. And I said, you know, I want you to tell me what it is I'm doing or what you think I'm doing, and I want you to tell me what you want me to stop specifically because you can't stop me from working. And it clearly came through the process. It was personal. Nobody knew anything I was doing. Nobody knew the specifics. Nobody could outline what I had done. And uh, everything I had done was off-company assets, off-company time. What I learned through that process was, as an executive, you are owned by the company. No matter what you do, where you are, when you are, or whatever it is you're doing, 24 hours a day, you're a representative of that company. So even though I didn't use company assets, company resource, I did everything off company hours. Um, as an executive, there is no off time. You're always on. So uh, we drained all the accounts. And um, yeah, that was it. My, my wife was leaving. She's going to go stay with her mom. And like, that was it for my family. And like, I just wasn't going to go down. And finally, I just gave up. I said, all right, yeah, you win. Like, you know, I, but I want in writing that I can go do whatever it is I want to do after this. You can't legally come after me. So they agreed. And uh, that process happened. I get a call same day that that happens. And it was a buddy of mine I was working with. And he said, hey, I'm doing some work with a few very well-known NBA stars. They want to start a sports agency. Would you be interested in talking to them? I said, yeah, man, absolutely. Sit down and talk to them, try to figure out what they want to do. And immediately it was like, well, I've got the contractual experience and the professional business experience to not have to go to law school. I mean, you got to keep in mind, over 15 years, I've handled billions of dollars worth of co contracts, like supplier contracts. I've gone through thousands of pages of contract work and written my own. That delineates the fact of me having to be a lawyer or go to law school, right, to mm -hmm. like learn and read contracts. I, I get it. I can relate to that. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to be Jerry Maguire, so now what? And what I'd done is we were able to take some of the software we had written, which was tracking user behavior, and use that on Facebook and social media before Facebook, you know, they're way more advanced now than they were three years ago. And we built a sports agency treating each athlete as their own brand, tracking user behavior with brands and athletes doing promotion. Meaning when LeBron says, I love my new, K my new Kia, K300, Instagram post, well, we know LeBron doesn't drive a Kia. His mom does and his brother does, and that's a $50,000 nugget in his pocket if I can get the social media campaign right. When he pushes the campaign out and he gets, you know, 17,000 eyeballs back to Kia, quadruples their following on social media, well, there's value there. So how do you mm -hmm. quantify that value? 
that's what I did. So we built a software program to do that. Uh, did that, sold part of that off. Um, I got heavily vested in the UFC. So we had a bunch of professional fighters. Reebok came in. For anybody that follows UFC, you kind of know the history. They killed off all sponsorships. That was 80% mm -hmm. of our revenue. Sold off the software and um, haven't looked back, dude. Started a consulting company for technology, which is what I love. Um, I've, I do business consulting for entrepreneurs. So I've helped 362 entrepreneurs take ideas to revenue or businesses that are, you know, I would say 10 employees or more that have done more than a million dollars in revenue scale. Um, and those companies have generated over $50 million in the last 12 months. So I really, really enjoy being able to take all the things I've done from a business perspective and help others that just haven't, haven't had that opportunity. And um, I run a supplement line that's focused on stress management for high performers. We launched three months ago, sold out, doubled the business month two, tripled the business month three, finished my nationwide campaign. The uh, commercial finished last week. I got the rough, I got the actual edit today. We're doing a nationwide campaign launching Friday. But I'm married, four kids, a dog. Uh, I like to surf. I like to be in the water, and I like to do interviews like this to try to share my story to help other people. I love it. We're done. That yeah, been, right? That might, have been 20, that might have been 20 minutes. That might have been 20, you know, 20 you minutes know what? One, one breath. That yeah, was, that, that was, was the shortest that was impressive. interview we've had. That was impressive. That was 20 <laughs> minutes exactly, Colby. Um, I think yeah. you practiced this. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, we're writing like crazy because that's what Alan and I do. And I want to basically, and, and Alan, if you uh, don't mind, wanted to jump into something that really stood out. And I think that, um, you know, what we help, and, and I love the fact that you're helping entrepreneurs really, you know, bring products to market and, and help them build revenue. And it's something you enjoy because that to me is taking transferable skills through all of your journey and then, you know, play, uh, paying it forward and, and helping other people with things that, you know, I'm a big believer. We don't know what we don't know. So you got to find people that have that knowledge so that you can get skills and confidence in doing other things later on in life. So you got to well, find do you, people do you know that why? have this. Well, yeah, do you go know for why it. why I did it? It's, it's actually not nearly as romantic as what you just painted. I got into <laughs> internet marketing by accident, and I got enamored by it for about three months. What I mean by that is you've got traditional marketing, which is more branding, which is the world that I came from. When you spend a million dollars a month, you're not doing social media marketing. You're literally just trying to spend money on anything you can to get people to see your name. Right. That's the marketing I came from. That's branding. So I got into social media marketing, and I got turned on to guys like Frank Kern, Dan Whoa. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And I love these guys, right? I, just, I love the way their brain stinks are sequencing and providing value. That's a really dark underbelly of skis bags, slum bucket assholes that are out there trying to steal people's money. Right. Right? It got really dirty for me really fast. So to combat that, there's a quote that I'll give you that's one of my favorites. Um, spent some time with Damon John when he was in Phoenix doing his book tour on the power broke. We're at dinner, and I'm talking to Damon, and I flip his book over because I bought a copy. It's what you do. And there's a quote on it by Gary Vaynerchuk that says, I buy business books from people that do business. That quote couldn't sum up what it is I do from a business perspective any clearer. Because you've got all these knuckleheads that are out there trying to scam people that have never had experience. They sell you a course on writing a book about writing a book for guys who've never written books. Or it's a coaching program to coach coaches about coaching people that, that don't coach. 
And it's like they've never had any real-world experience. And I'm not saying that the 25-year-old life coach – listen, the 25-year-old kid who wants to be a life coach, good at you, dude. And I, I get so much shit for saying this kind of stuff. And it's like, get some fucking experience. Right. Start a business. Start a physical product business. Don't start a – don't give me an information product. And you can come at me all day about how there's value there, less work, whatever. The four-hour work we got, believe in it. I love Tim Ferriss, but the fundamental of this is bring value and, and sell a physical product and then tell me that you started a business. Like, sell a physical product where you have to manage supply chain and then tell me, like, how to do business. Right. Right? Like, it's just there are so many assholes out there that were scamming people that I just started calling them out one by one and said, let's do a 30-day challenge. I'll let the audience pick any business idea in any vertical in any venture, and I'll sell more than you will in 30 days from idea to sales, period. And I'll document the whole thing. And people just started to latch on to it. So I started helping me helping people out of this need to get them away from the people that were taking advantage of them. And it, it almost became like a mission for me to get them away from getting scammed. Sure. I guess maybe sure. it's romantic. I guess maybe it's romantic. <laughs> well, it is, it is romantic. There's an awful lot of people out there that are telling an awful lot of other people that, Hey, you can aggregate information from, you know, the wisdom of others, if you want to call it that, and you can make money doing it. Yeah. And that's the new wave of entrepreneurship that I see going on a lot. But people don't have the actual practical application of what it physically yeah. means to get your yeah. feet dirty, to fall down, to bust out of tooth, to go bankrupt, to not know where you're going to feed your kids the next day, and to create something, put it into motion, and give value back. That's something that's yeah. missing in our society. And that you know, that's the new wave of entrepreneurship that, that is now breaking forth and making a big deal. But that wasn't the way it was four or five years ago. But everybody's coaching on the fact that you don't have to know anything. You can create something or better yet, aggregate somebody else's stuff and sell that knowledge. Yes. Get pumped about it, dude. I see. I feel that passion. I feel yeah. the same way. I feel the same yeah. way. That doesn't work for me. Entrepreneurship? Well, I've this. died like 12 Entre times. Fuck, that, that doesn't work yes. for me. <laughs> yes. Entrepreneurship used to be meant you were unemployed. Remember that? You're like, people were like, what did you do? Like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. They're like, oh, so you don't have a job? <laughs> like, it was hard enough for my wife. To, my wife still doesn't know what I do today. She, doesn't know, she hasn't been able to tell people what I do for 20, 15 years. And it's like, now that it's, it's full-time entrepreneurship, and it has been for a while, it's, um, it's turned into this Instagram lifestyle where, you know, you guys follow me on social media. You see how active I am on Facebook, right? So I do these funny parodies around internet money, but it's like you've got these kids that are selling a perceived lifestyle. So, you know, you can go to movie prop, Google movie prop money, the company you can buy $50,000 up to $10 million for less than a grand of movie prop money. And in this, kids are buying it by the dozen, by the, you know, by the bundles. They're going and leasing a car or doing a test drive on an exotic sports car. And then they're going to go and they're going to get a tour and they're going to rent a place for the day to do a photo shoot or a video shoot. And what they're doing is they're perpetrating a lifestyle that if you buy my program, you will have this lifestyle. Wow. And it's very pyramid scheme-esque and they're taking advantage of tons of people that, you know, it's, um, I don't know, man, I guess if you're looking for ways to get rich quick, there isn't one, but there are all these people that will sell you this dream and take your money. Sure. Sure. And, you know, uh, to me, that's just intentional fraud. Um, you know, yeah, it's fraud. Absolutely. It's fraud. <laughs> yeah. So listen, um, I heard fraud. something. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to be careful. And, you know, speaking to the audience out there, you know, it's my number one rule, Kobe. I wrote my book called The Success Playbook because I come from a, 
you know, the same uh, school of thought that, you know, hard knocks is where I was able to build my businesses. Then I can take that knowledge and pass it forward. So one of my yeah, big, yeah. Um, one of my big uh, you know, rules, let's call it, or a pillar I call it, of success is be careful who you listen to. And, um, you know, that's a big one. So, you know, to the audience, make sure you really understand the facts. There's a lot of opinions out there. There's a lot of people that are willing to sell you whatever you want to hear. So make sure you do your research. That's why we have a show like this, because we bring credible people on that have done stuff, are doing stuff, and are helping others, and very transparent. And Colby, you are all over social media, and you are very transparent, and we appreciate that. But I heard something um, as you were going through this really rough time, and you know, I'm a big fan of understanding what goes through a mind of someone like yourself when there's adversity thrown at you, and you had some big adversity. You have four kids. Uh, you're now uh, stacked uh, with odds against you. Uh, you have no money because you vested it all into, um, you know, your business. And, you know, where do you go? You're a zero, uh, you know, and you were broke. What, what happened in your mind? Because shortly after, as I heard, something else found you. What was going through your mind? What was your mindset during that time? If you're going to take like a roadmap of all this, the different things I've done, you know, I've gone from the music business to technology to sports. I mean, every one of them have been in the, I call them adjacencies, right? Adjacencies of a brand new vertical where I didn't have really quote unquote experience in that industry. You know, I'm the king of pivot and uh, I, I'm going to use the phrase opportunist. But what I mean by that is every day we're presented with a series of doors of opportunity, if you will. It's up to us if we choose to walk through those doors of opportunity or if we walk past those doors of opportunity. And more times than not, I've walked through those doors of opportunity. Uh, sometimes it's got me in trouble because I, like, I, I call it oversubscribing. Like I just say yes to too many things. And um, I have to make sure I'm saying yes to the things that are going to you know, provide value for the goals I've set for myself and my family. But the, kind of the, the short answer for that is I just refuse to lose. Um, every time I've been put, you know, I do really well when I'm pushed up against the wall. And it's like, what am I going to do, fellas? You do the same thing. What are you going to do? You're going to give up? Do what? Never. So I've been through some pretty dark times as a teenager, like up until my early 20s. You could Google. You could find dirt on me. It's not that hard. I never hurt anybody. Right? I did this stupid shit. Drinking and driving. Painting graffiti. I grew up as a hip-hop kid in the 90s, man. Stupid shit. I was told, like, you know, you're going to go through some, you know, you're not going to make it. You're going to be in jail. And then I went through a really ugly divorce with my ex-wife and the custody battle where I went through some really bad times. I was living in my car with, a, with my daughter. Not because I had a drug problem or was an alcoholic. It was because the place I was staying, the guy and I had a falling out, and I had, it was like two weeks before I moved into my new place. And I've gone through some stuff now where it's like when these things happen, I put it into perspective of where I've been. And I've, gotten, I've gone through and I have thrived through some pretty aggressive times in my life. And I've never looked at myself as a victim. Right? I don't have a, I've never been like, poor me, what do I do? It's like, okay, cool, buckle it up. Yeah, it sucks, we're human. Right? Losing and getting kicked in the nuts over and over again sucks. But guess what? I'll never blame that on anybody. It's nobody's fault, which means I control the outlook and I control the destiny on that. And here, this was the awakening for me. My first corporate job, I spent all this time, my first corporate heartbreak wasn't afraid, it was my second corporate job. I put all this time in. I was the youngest. It was my first executive position. 
I had an office. I was the youngest kid in executive row. I'm moving and grooving. I'm on top of the world. I'm making 200 grand. I'm like, this is it. I got stock options. Like, I'm kicking ass. And through a series of unfortunate events, some of my own doing, some just based on company restructure, um, I was called to let a bunch of teammates go. I was on the road. I let go half my team, and then at 7 o'clock that night, the HR director let me go. <laughs> and I was so bent out of shape, dude. I was so bent out of shape. I was so angry. I was so heartbroken. Just like a bad relationship, dude. Hey, you got I was used. so heartbroken. Like, yeah, what just happened to me? Like, how did this happen? And I was angry for weeks. I mean, I was angry. I was going to get a lawyer. I, call, I, I had some legal advice. Like, I'm going to sue him. Like, how dare you do this to me? And then I looked at it. I was sitting on the couch, and I was like, I just lost. It was literally probably like two months worth of, like, all in all time. Two months of wasted time that I was sitting there sulking and arguing and getting angry. And I looked at it. I looked around. I remember it was right when I got married uh, for a, uh, to my wife now. And I, I told her, I was like, I just wasted two months. Nothing has come from this. This is a waste of time and energy, and I have wasted two months of emotional space that I could be out there getting a job, or I could be out there doing something else, and I've allowed this to consume me. And I remember as clear as day saying, I would never let that happen again, because that's not who I've ever been before then. And when you look at things like that, it's where I choose to spend my energy and not being a victim through scenarios, which has allowed me to continue to move forward. I love it. Um, Alan, I know if you've got a question, I want to just uh, really point out something uh, for the audience, particularly. Colby, when you speak, um, you use power words instead of, as you said, words that uh, victimize you. And you talk about thrive versus survive, really. You know, the fact is, you'll, you're the king of pivot, uh, refuse to lose. You know, I use words like candle never blows out in my, you know, on my, on my watch. And that's just the strength inside, my friend. So I, I really appreciate you bringing this uh, passion because I can feel it. And when you're talking about the story, you know, what I was doing was translating stuff in my life that, you know, were very similar and that I got through. And, you know, the tough times when you really look at it and where you are right now and some of the things that did happen to you, it's like it's nowhere close to what went, went on before. So, of course, you're going to get through this. Of course, you're going to move forward. Of course, something else is better is going to come along. And, you know, that's what I wanted to point out. And, and I'm glad you clarified some of those things along the way for our audience because all of a sudden, after all that shit went on, you had an opportunity in the sports agency and all of a sudden you spilled the software and blah, blah, blah. And you went on to, you know, have a technology and, you know, the story goes on. So thank you for sharing that. Alan, what do we have for Colby? Well, Colby, you've talked uh, a, a lot about shifting and even talk, you know, you gave yourself, you know, the, the king of pivot. And I believe you've got great perspective. And what I mean by that is that you're out in the battle and you have a lot of tools wrapped around your belt and you can pretty pretty much create or build your way out of wherever whatever circumstance you're run in, in you're in into an opportunity that not only is going to work for you but that's going to serve a large contingent of people and i think that's probably a really good characteristic trait uh for the true entrepreneur Somebody, you can't talk about this if you haven't done it. And for if there's somebody on the line that's going to be listening to this and you're an aggregator of somebody else's wisdom, uh, fine, that's great. But you're, you're probably not going to like this show. 
because this show is about the people that have gotten the scars and the bumps and the bruises that have really taken on uh, all a full circumference responsibility to development and, and, and growth. And you do, you do, you pivot out of challenge and you do it. It seems like Chris, it's automatic for you. It's just, well, okay. And, and I think it is for Chris and I too. If we get crapped on here, okay, well, I don't like the crap, but okay, now what do we got to do to move over here? Or what can we learn here? And what can we do here? And that's an instantaneous, an instantaneous thought. And there's a lot of people out there, I fear, that don't have that skill. Is that something that you developed or is that something that just was inside of you? Mm, that's a good question. There's, I think, I look at things like this. Uh, I don't look at it as if. I look at it as when. Right. And, and let me clarify, right? So what I mean by that is when I put stuff together and I put time and effort, you know, I follow the same process and I teach this. It's called the execution manifesto. So for me, it's identifying. This is how every business has ever been started and ever will be started from the time that Eve gave Adam the apple to Microsoft to whatever. It's finding a group of people that have a problem or a need, creating a product or solution that substantiates or solves that need. Third part is validation, going back and validating that what you've created is actually still, you know, there's still that need there, right? And the fourth piece is selling your face off. And when you look at that, I know that I've done the preparation. I know that the mar I've done the market research. I've spoken to enough people. I've created a few options or variables on a product or service. The validation process is where most people fail. They don't do enough due diligence. I go in and I spend a bunch of time on validation, and then I go, and I can do that pretty fast. I, mean, I can do that within 30 days. So for me, it's never been about you know if this works, if this doesn't work, if I fail, if I'm successful. I don't know. It's just when. When is this going to work? And do I have enough fortitude to, to make it through, <laughs> right? And, right. you know, here's the, thing that, here's the thing, and I don't know if you've covered this on your show, guys. There's a really dark side to all of this that gets avoided, and that's what it does to other people around you, right? right? So I haven't refused to lose, and what I mean by that is, like, I will go in at any means necessary, and I will sacrifice everything because I believe in what I believe in. Some people look at that as a skill. Some people look at that, that to me, some, sometimes that's a curse. Right, because I put my family in really, really, really hard scenarios. There was a time where we had eight hundred thousand bucks in the bank, and then there was a time where I had negative twenty dollars in the bank, and it was the same three years. So it's one of those things where I mean, imagine if you were in my support system, like what that does around you to the relationships. And there's a really, really, you know, at one point it's a driver that helps me to continue to push forward. And another side of it is, you know, there is a fear of a failure because you've got so much to lose. I've got way more, more to lose than most people. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things. I mean, we've all got a lot to lose, right? I'm, I'm no better than anybody, but it's, I look at it as I've got a, I have a lot to lose, right? And when you put all those kind of pieces together, for me, it's a win. And am I, I think I'm wired that way, dude. Right. Um, I really do. I mean, and we can have some hypothetical kind of scenarios offline about, you know, growing up, I had ADHD and ADD. They try to prescribe me all these meds. I mean, you know, I'm 41. So Ritalin was just kind of coming around when I was a kid. My parents put me on it, turned me into a zombie. They took me off of it, adjusted my diet, got me into sports. 
and all of these things, you know, as you're growing up, if you've got these, you're super creative and you have a hard time sitting in one place, you get diagnosed and they want to treat it. Well, that's creativity, dude, a lot of times. Mm -hmm. right. And that, totally there's agree. a lot that gets, I mean, there's, there's a lot that gets said about how we deal with things. And I, as far back as I can remember, I've been this way. Right? It's, it's not something I've built into. It's just kind of how I'm wired, I think. I think it's part of my DNA. Yeah, no, I, yeah, good I, question. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree. I think there's a lot of people that fall into that. And, you know, we, we, we need to get back to being our six-year-old selves where we colored outside the lines and we thought about what's possible as opposed to what's probable. But somewhere along the way, we got screwed, we got hosed, we got pigeonholed, and we got told what to do. And we got, you know, told that, that you have to go do this so that you can do this for me. And that's the way your life's going to be. And I think so. Let me tell you. Let me. I have an answer here. I have an answer here. And what I don't know. When is this show going to go live? Is it soon after we record? Yeah, absolutely. Very yeah. soon. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a link. Uh, I did a series. I'm gonna explain this to you, and I want to give you this link because the visual is going to be very impactful for your audience. What you just painted is this. So from zero to seventeen, I'm born. Right. I go into my childhood, I'm into my adolescence. At this time, I'm really creative. Um, I can do anything, the world is my oyster. I can do anything that I want, I can be anything that I want. I've got tons of really good ideas on stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Then at 18, from 18 to 25, I'm a student. I still have some of that carefree, I'm gonna go and I can, you know, I'm gonna kick the world in the nuts and I can do anything, that bravado, that swag, then what happens is I graduate out of college and I go into the workforce. And from 25 to 72, I'm an employee, right? Mm -hmm. And in this scenario, I work long. I'm waiting for 72. I'm saving. I've got a 401K. I've got Social Security. I've got my savings. 72 on is my quote-unquote golden age, and that's the life cycle of a human. Well, here's some really interesting facts. We've all seen or heard a variation of that. Here are the differentiating things that weigh on all of that that nobody talks about that are in the video, this video I did. What happens from 24 to 25 as I graduate out of college? Well, the debt system is introduced. Okay, so the average American student comes out now with $37,500 in debt. That's the American, look it up. I, got stats, I, I, I do this stat every day in some kind of conversation. So if I graduate and I've got $37,000 of debt, what happens? I go into the workforce trying to get a job and something I, I tell myself I like. At the end of the day, I've got to make enough money to pay my debt down. By the way, the way the government and the financial institutions have scammed the system, I'll never get out of that debt. I own that debt forever. I can't yep. write it off. I can't go bankrupt. I own that debt forever at an interest rate that's crook-like. Okay, so it's a bigger question about the system. Right. So then I go into the workforce. Then I wake up 20 years, 15 years later, I'm married. I've got two children. I've got a car payment, a house payment. I'm 20 pounds overweight. I'm living for the weekend. I binge watch my favorite show. I'm hoping for my two weeks of vacation a year. I am existing. I am not proactively living. Yep. Then I get to my golden age and I retire. Well, the age is 72. The average American is not retiring until 74. The average American has less than $100,000 in their bank account. It's more like $5,000. Social Security will be gone by 2030. 401ks have declined 60% in the last 10 years. They're not, it's, a, it's a false investment. It's a scam. And at the end of the day, then what? 
Well, I'll tell you what happened to my mother. She died broke, sick, and alone in a goddamn nursing home, and there was nobody there to help her, and she spent her entire life in that system. So let me be really, really clear as I paint this picture as to how this whole life thing works out. The system is built against you. If you're waiting for somebody to save you, wake the fuck up. There's nobody that's going to change this unless you do, and looking for somebody else is not the answer. That's why I get out. That's why I do what I do every single day because I don't want my kids to have to come identify my body in the morgue when I'm dead and old. I want to be the one that controls that. That's why entrepreneurship, that's why your book, that's why this show, that's why my videos, that's why all the shit I do is so damn important and that's why I'll drop what I'm doing at a, at a, at a moment's notice to get on and, and share this message because I believe in it with every ounce of me. I love it. And, and you know, you can feel that passion. Uh, very much, Colby, and I agree with you 100%. That, um, and, and what's that link? Just give us that link so we can um, make sure we uh, post it as well. I don't have it yet. I'll send it to you. So it's, okay, perfect. I do a okay. series of videos called Behind the Whiteboard. Okay, and, great. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen them yet, but it's the next one I've got to edit. It was going to go in December. I'll okay, get that great. one edited next and send it over to you and post it. So when you guys go, you can have it. And, and what's that called to him? Behind the what? Behind the Whiteboard. Nice. So if you okay. just go to my YouTube channel, just type in the Healthy Primate into YouTube. I've got, God, there's like 500 videos on there. Nice. Go on there. Okay. Follow me. When we wrap this up on where people can find me, you know, you, you guys see me. I'm on Facebook all day. Yeah. My videos, it's funny because my Facebook videos will get tens to 20s to 30,000 hits. My YouTube videos, the same video, get 100 views. Like, I guess it's just, you got to know where your audience is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, just one quick question um, uh, on that, and I want to talk about um, how people find you. Just really quickly, I, I know Facebook, of course. Um, where do they? Where 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 do you hang out? Um, is, is that probably the best place to uh, to check things out? Uh, how do they get a hold of you um, for for the audience that wants to follow you? Yeah, go to go to Facebook. Type in Colby K K O L B Y. K-A-Y. Um, I should be top of that list. And uh, there, um, you Perfect. can follow me there. And you can see uh, that's kind of the platform where I share what I'm doing from a company's perspective around the healthy primate, uh, my journeys. And then you can go to Instagram, type in the healthy primate is a monkey. You can see me there and then YouTube under the healthy primate. Perfect. Awesome. Alan. I want to segue right into that. Tell us about the healthy primate. All right, man, you, you caught me on that question right as I was walking up to my house to end this interview. And i got to turn around because this is a really powerful – this is deeper than 10 seconds. All right, so the – let me take you back to the corporate story to rewind and put this into perspective. So I got to the point where I was tired of walking up the stairs, running out of breath. I'd like to see my dick once in a while, and I don't want to be dead before my kids can play at the playground. Yep. I was like, you know what? I, you know, I, I, was, dude, I was heavy. And I, didn't, I knew I was heavy, man. I wasn't unhappy. It just, I was heavy. And there's a race I do every year with my father-in-law. It's a marine obstacle course out of Camp Pendleton in San Diego. It was my seventh year running the race. So in my brain, I'd done it. That's the, the, the mental versus physical. I can't tell you, like, how much that's true. Mm-hmm. I got to the race, did the race. It was, did it in a little over two hours, 15 minutes. Two hours, 16 minutes, I think. And I was so embarrassed with my time and myself and where I'd let myself get to that I said, no, I will never let this happen again. So I lost weight first. So that's what you do. You see that you're out of shape. So you lose the weight. I lose weight. And then I went and had a, I was having coffee with a buddy of mine. 
right he was at the time he was writing training curriculums for some of the big box gyms here in Phoenix. And I told him, I'm like, dude, I feel great, but I'm still wound tight. So I lost about 65 pounds and gained about 15 pounds of muscle. It was the best shape I've ever been in my entire life in my late 30s, right? And he goes, your cortisol's all messed up. I said, what? Yeah, your stress hormones are upside down, dude. You need to go, you know, take, you need to understand that. So the OCD in me, I become essentially a doctor and student for two months. I interview 15 doctors from my general practitioner to natural doctors. I, I read every article that I can read. I watch every video. I pick up every book that I can possibly get into on understanding how my body produces the hormone set that cortisol is a byproduct of. And in this, I, you know, there's, there's two things. If you Google stress management today, you'll like this because it all kind of wraps into my narrative. If you Google stress, stress management, you find two things. I can take a warm bath and listen to some Kenny G and light some candles. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds great. I would have to be in a bathtub all day long for that to work for me. Or I go to my doctor and I get Xanax, Zoloft, Afran, whatever. There's a laundry list right. of antidepressants, yeah. anti-anxiety, whatever. Pills. And I thought, I was not the kind of party pills I want, but I'm like, I, I, I will take, maybe I'll do that. I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just go that route. That sounds pretty easy. And then Duke, Yale, and Harvard have all put out independent studies that will tell you about 65% of those drugs do not work on people because of our individual chemical compounds. I'm like, okay, well, here's the, here's the flip side. I am guaranteed 100% that I'm going to get side effects. Which ones? I don't know. It's kind of like the Russian roulette wheel of, you know, wheel of fortune, you know, anal leaking, I'll go blind in one eye. I'm going to get more panic and anxiety. I'm like, God, these side effects sound worse than what I'm trying to deal with. Yep. Then I found what are called adaptogens. The only thing you need to know about that, they are natural herbs and elixirs that come back 2,000 years from Chinese medicine. I don't mean some bark that grows under camel dung in, in the Himalayas. I mean, it's like shit that you know, right? It's, it's uh, garlic. It's ginseng. It's stuff you know. There's 23 that are, 22, excuse me, that are focused on a couple chemicals and hormones in your body, uh, one testosterone, other serotonin, the other one being cortisol, which is your stress chemical or stress hormone. I took all 22 over 18 months, and I videoed the entire thing. So every 30 days, I went into my, to, to my doctor and got my blood work done and had him review my blood work live, and I filled in seven journals. That was the healthy primate. That was the start of the healthy primate as I started a blog to share my story. Wow. Of what it was I was awesome. going through. And um, that, that got up to 20,000 views a month, 11,000 people on my mailing list. But I didn't have a way to monetize it. It was literally just me telling the story, right? Mm -hmm. Met a guy, or not met a guy, a, a buddy of mine who's he's a good friend. His brother-in-law ran a supplement manufacturing company. Long and the short of it is I put a supplement together based on all the compounds that I had built um, on stuff that had worked. I put 40 people into a test group. They all had the same results I did. So then I knew that it wasn't a fluke and it wasn't just me. And uh, what did I do? Um, I took a break. My website got hacked. I got really discouraged. They wanted $20,000 to start a supplement. And I was just like, that's a lot of money to, like, to, to kick something off that I don't even know if people are going to buy. Like, just because I have 11,000 people on my mailing list and 20,000 hits a month doesn't mean they're going to buy shit from me. Right. Right? This goes into that validation right. process. So. I wrote a book. I wrote a 180-page book. I did a video series on educating people on how your body does what it does and how you can address it in layman's terms, not like a doctor. And then I created a supplement. 
and I said, what do you, or I had the opportunity to create the supplement. I went to my community and said, what do you want? I came back 50-50, book and supplement. I used the book as a lead magnet, gave it away, got enough pre-orders for the supplement to do my first order, and uh, yeah, sold out first month, doubled month two, tripled month three. Wow. And what I found through this process was the, it's $100 billion you can spend a year, guys, in dealing with the physical and mental byproduct of stress. It's the largest spent expense in the healthcare system today in the United States. $100 wow. billion. More than cancer, more than AIDS, more than anything. $100 billion gets spent. No one talks about it. Well, why? Because the, the, the pharmaceutical companies control you. You are a number. You're a customer. So I... I was listening to the stories of the people that started taking the supplement and the awakenings that people were having about, man, like just working 60 hours a week for somebody else doesn't feel right to me because they'd instituted supplementation, natural supplementation, changed their diets, added some exercise, some hydration, and they had an awakening. Like this life I lived is not the life that I'm supposed to be living. And it happened in droves, dude. I mean, of the thousands of people that have bought our supplement in the last 65 days, I can't tell you hundreds of people have reached out to me via email or even else. If you, you guys see me on social media, every day I get five or six posts where people tag my orders and say what they've done with it. And it's all come full circle on the spirit of entrepreneurship, whether you do it full-time or part-time. Maybe it's a nonprofit. Maybe it's flying to Haiti to, to, you know, to give out clean water supplies and, and medical supplies. Maybe it's going to your local food bank. Maybe it's starting a business. But uh, the way we live today of just – kind of existing versus proactively living is a huge problem. So the Healthy Primate was put here to do a couple things. I'm going head-to-head against the pharmaceutical company to give people natural options. And you're a family member. You join the Healthy Primate, it's an experience. When you buy our product, it's not a bag of vitamins thrown in an Amazon bag or a postal service bag anymore. You open it up, it's a custom-made box with a lavender insert. There's a, a handwritten welcome letter from me personally You've got a story of the company and what you're about to experience, and then you're welcomed into a social media group of like-minded people that are out there doing the same thing. So for me, you know, that goal is 39,420 people in the next 90 days. Uh, that number substantiates the business model to help me add some additional product lines, and then, you know, this is a full lifestyle business to help more people. And uh, that's it, man. That's the healthy health economy in a, at a nutshell. I love it. What a great story and, and what a great product, um, you know, for you to put together and, and help people. And I love the shock and awe that you provide when people order it rather than yep. just get, you know, a brown, you know, box or a bag and, and here you go. You're actually creating that uh, experience with people and, you know, resulting in obviously, um, you know, them sticking around and, and, and paying attention. And I love the social media piece. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. Man, these shows go flying by, and <laughs> I know, fast, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, they do, um, and we wanted to be able to talk. Alan, uh, let's uh, let's take it away, and, you know, we'll get Colby on with his day. We really appreciate everything, Colby, but uh, Alan, what else do we have? Well, I tell you, Colby, if, if people were listening uh, uh, affluently, they just got a complete business plan. Uh, of how you did what, how to do it, why to do it, what you need to have. And you mentioned something earlier when we were talking a, a different day, and, and I think we were doing it, I think we were texting back and forth. 
and we were talking about scalability and investment in business. People invest in scale. They may not invest in the idea. Um, how? Trying to figure out the question I want to ask on scalability here. When do um, you know a lot of entrepreneurs want to grow out and they and they want to and they want to grow and they want to expand where they're at? How do they? How can they evaluate themselves to know that they're ready for scalability? Let me disagree with you first. The um, let me paint the picture because I, I know where you, I know the question you're trying to ask, and I think you you went. There, let me let me reframe it. Any business I've ever done, I've created a sustainable revenue model first and foremost. That was it. I didn't go raise money for the sake of raising money to create a business. Right, right. You proved the model. A lot of people. A lot of people. Yes, a lot. Of, well, here's the thing, dude. There's a lot of people who will get into this raise money, and you raise money, and that's kind of the job is raising money. Right. Time and time again, especially in Silicon Valley, you'll hear stories of you know the next app, and it was you know they're not profitable, they don't have a revenue model, and they just raised you know forty million dollars and. It's just raising money becomes the job versus creating a, a revenue model and creating a sustainable business. This is why I'm so passionate about a physical product business to test your chops. <laughs> like, go create a physical product, you know, source something. Go down to your Dollar General store and start an eBay store and resell physical products and understand logistics. Go right. to Alibaba, buy in bulk, mm -hmm. and then open up a store. Uh, you know, open up a store on Amazon. Understanding that kind of stuff. There's, you know, you, you get into business today. You can go buy flannels at your local Goodwill and sell them on eBay. There's, a, there's a whole, whole, there's a, a full business around it. Oh, Amazon booksellers. I can go down to Goodwill and I can buy books by the pound, right? Go to the sorting center, buy books by the pound. I can buy a pallet full of books for a couple hundred dollars, and I can take those books and sell them to resellers on Amazon and make myself two, three thousand dollars and just rinse, wash, repeat. So for me, I look at raising funds a couple different ways. I've never raised funds to start anything I've ever done in my entire life. But what I have done is raise money to scale. What I mean by that, here's a prime example. Healthy Primate three months ago sold out of product sold out of all of our products. Month two, I, I made enough money to reinvest. I had you know supply managing supply chain around my manufacturing has been really tough. And it, it's like a science, it's an art and a science, right? Doubled my sales month two. Month three, I was like, I won't get caught in that that same paradigm around supply chain management. Month three comes, well. Then something hit me. It was like, here's the goal and the objective is I'm putting product in padded envelopes. I'm doing handwritten notes every couple orders. You know, I hand pack orders. Um, I have a fulfillment center, but I do, I'll do hand fulfillment myself where I'll pick orders every day, where I'll pick 10, 15 orders, write a personal thank you note, send them on their way. I started to look at, okay, the ideal scenario is this. This is the experience I want the members to have. Our customers are members. What, are they, what does that look like? How much is that going to cost? And if I want to do that and I want to go from 2,000 sales to 10,000 sales, how can I physically do it? Well, I had two different options. I can go into my friends and say, I'll give you 1% equity for five grand and have four of them pitch in. That's 20 grand. That's exactly how much I needed to hit the holiday season with a product. Product's done. Product kicks ass. It's solid. It's the experience. The user experience is so important to me. That's what sets it apart from everything else. Marketing. Brands matter, dude. Brands absolutely matter. Tell me Kleenex doesn't matter. Tell me Coke doesn't matter. Brands matter. So my goal is to become the brand leader in stress management. Well, that's an experience. That's not just selling a bunch of shit at a discount. Getting able to do that and to hit, I have a very specific number target. 39,420 is my target in three months. Financially, I can't do it the way I'm doing it today. I get a small bank loan or 
I pushed all the chips in, guys, and flew a crew in and did a full commercial shoot and, and drained all the money I had in the bank to get that done because I know that this ad campaign is going to help me hit the numbers I need to hit in the next 45 days. Well, I went back to the well and said I can do this a couple ways. I give each of my buddies 1%. That makes it easy. It, it, it's a non it's a non-rural stake holding the company. They can't make decisions and choose the direction, right. but they feel invested. They feel invested. Or right. I went to the guy who funded my software company, which is the same thing. We had $250,000 in scale, and I needed to hire seven developers and add some new product at this scale right, to hit revenue growth to go fast. And I went back. I painted the picture. Not only did he believe in the vision, he brought a full team around me, so I raised the Series A we closed last Thursday. That funding allowed me immediately, within 48 hours of that check going into my account, everything I had done in the last three months was ready. Automated systems, new fulfillment center, custom box designs that I had already designed. I just didn't even know who was going to print them. Um, the custom inserts, the sourcing of the paper, the sourcing of the actual smell and the lavender, all of that shit was done. I just needed the money. So I'd done the work. Again, it's not if, it's a matter of when. Right. So it's not like I got money. I was like, what am I going to do with it? It was like the day the money came in, I had a project plan and said, do, 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 each dollar gets a sign, boom, go. I spent that money in 24 hours, dude. <laughs> like, I came back and said, here's where all your money went. Like, they already knew where the money was going. But it's, so for me, so, so, it's like, here, here's the plan. I had a plan, right? All right? So being able to raise the funding allows me to scale. Well, here's the risk. I don't know if it's going to work. Right. Worst case scenario, at least I stay where I was. I'm not going to sell less. I'll sell the same that I did, right? Because I got a great install base. People continue to come back. I got a problem that I know is out there. And customers who are loyal and love the product, it works. Right. Now it's like, how, how do I get 30,000 more people to come buy my shit? So, again, it's one of those things that's, you know, I, I'm up and down by lunchtime. I could have had the major, a huge dopamine dump, had a huge customer come through. Or, like, here's a great example. I go to pay my box printing company who are all over my ass to hit the deadlines for printing, filled out the form. They sent me the same form three times. They were like, yeah, this is the form you need to fill out. We gave you the wrong one. It was the same fucking form. I called them out, said it's the same form. <laughs> they said, yeah, no, you need to fill this out. I refill it out. It's 8 o'clock on Friday. Get it all done. She's like, we're going to charge your card. We'll be good to go. You'll hit production Saturday. I go look at my bank account before I go to bed. They charged me $8,000, not oh $1,200. $8,000. It froze my card because I thought it was fraud. My card had been open less than like two days. Oh, keep in mind, I still have to pay all of the other suppliers in order to hit my deadline to go live for this big push coming Black Friday. That's the shit we deal with, man. Right? It's, uh, it's ups and downs, and I don't know, I'm waiting for the refund. They released my card, and we're off and running, but it's, you never know what's going to happen, but the raising capital piece for me is for scale. If you've right. proven a model and people are going to buy your stuff, and you want to ramp, and you want to ramp fast, I'm a, I'm a firm believer there, and on a different show, I can give, you know, ways to raise money that are that make sense, from Kickstarter yeah, no. campaigns to crowdfunding to actually going to get a Series A. Sure. No, that makes total sense. And thanks for clarifying my question. <laughs> no, I knew you were gone. Absolutely. I knew you were gone. I was writing at the same time. I'm trying to think of this question and craft it. <laughs> I, I, so I, I, know, I know, dude. You were updating your, updating your Facebook. You're on your Facebook. Update, you know, update, you know. Doing a LinkedIn post, updating Facebook, trying to ask you a question. I get it. Uh, the world we live in, man. I get it. I get it. Oh, hey, well, um, yeah, you're you're awesome, Colby. But we are we are indeed running against uh, running against time here, and I know you got to go. 
appreciate all that you said to uh, to everybody. But we always like to leave uh, you know our our audience with a with a bold move. And you said so many bold things today. But if you could pick one thing to leave the audience with today, something they could enact as soon as they finish listening to this podcast. Hopefully not prior to, but during or during the podcast. What one bold move would you like to leave with them? Proactively start living your life for yourself and for the people around you that matter. Don't wait. Li- don't wait for life to happen. Make life happen. Uh, you know, be be good to yourself. Be good to other people, and try to give back in some scenario, at least you know daily. Whether it's holding the door for somebody or sending in, you know, an unscripted text message to your mother telling you you love her. Do something nice. Sweet. I Simple love that. And effective. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. It. Colby, your class act, my friend. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for uh, taking, you know, a proactive approach to your life and, you know, helping many others uh, discover that on their own. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you to the audience. You guys are amazing. I really appreciate, uh, you know, everything we get back in terms of comments. And uh, definitely we'll be uh, letting you know how to get a hold of Colby and, you know, specifically if anybody is interested um, on the uh, Healthy Primate, Primate will uh, ensure that you know how to get a hold of the product and can't wait for that uh, as well. So, uh, Colby, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, guys, man. I'm humbled and grateful for the opportunity. Well, it wouldn't hey, be a Colby, show. Will you come back yep. on. Tell us how you yeah, tell us what you're doing. Tell us how things are progressing and yeah. what we can do to help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, why don't we do a? Uh, I'm heads down for the next 45 days. Why don't we do the second week of January? We can do a 15 minute update. You just call me, and we'll do a, or even do a Facebook Live, and I'll tell you what what happened. I love it. That would Let's be perfect. Perfect. Well, thank perfect. you for everyone. Um, you know, thanks, Alan. Always a you know fun time hanging out with you, my friend, and obviously our our, our amazing guests. Likewise, Wouldn't be a show without me saying. Thank you. Uh, it wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.